Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Ilya Marchenko. I'm Dennis Kudler. And yes, for the young. I'm Henry Larson. I am Francisco Segundolo. And you're listening to the Game to Love podcast. Hey, welcome back, tennis fans. Monte Carlo semi-finals are upon us. But before we go anywhere, before we talk about the semi-finals, there's another tennis story dominating all of the papers, all of the back pages, and it's the feud between Medvedev and Zverev. JG, you're the one who's the most excited to talk about this. We briefly spoke about it in the match earlier on can't wait to get stuck into this one well we was going to come on here and do a preview for Monte Carlo but there is big news and it's all about Zverev versus Medvedev they don't like each other it's clear Medvedev has just beaten him the other day Medvedev played today and went out to Holgoruna in straight sets he looked very tired um and it was there was a bit of a funny moment at the end of that match Ben maybe we start there with that one because Medvedev said some strange words to Runa at the net, saying, uh, you played unfair. Uh, <laughs> at this point, you have to give it to Daniel. He just he doesn't take crap from no one, not fans, not players, not anyone. This man's so cold, he'll leave icicles. You have to go up a tad. Yeah. He'll hanging leave icicles through. hanging from your ears. And this was not about Holger Runa. It was said in jest about comments Verev has made about Daniel Medvedev, talking about how he's the most unfair player on a tennis court. Firstly, before we get into Zverev's statement, do you agree that Medvedev is a really unfair tennis player? Or in the words no. of Zverev, the most unfair tennis player? <laughs> I don't think so. I feel that he has his moments, as does everyone, as does Zverev on the tennis court. I don't think you call him the most unfair uh, tennis player, though. I think that's a bit harsh. Maybe it's a heat of the moment thing. Or maybe it's something that's been like boiling up inside Zverev over the course of their rivalry, which is quite a close rivalry, it has to be said. And I think Medvedev's sort of taken the edge at the moment. He's won the last two back-to-back. He won at Indian Wells and he's won their first ever meeting on clay. And I think that the clay one, I think that cuts a bit deeper for Zverev because he's supposed to be Agreed, the yeah. better clay court player. And he's lost to somebody who hates the clay courts. And then he didn't have much nice, uh, well, many nice words to say about Medvedev, did he, And after that one? Yeah. I think it's worse, the fact that Zverev is very good on clay. He then had two chances to serve out for the match and didn't take them. And you've got a Medvedev figure the other side of the court who's had a few disturbances in the match, to say the least. We had the toilet break during the match. We had the moment where he pulled that little stick from the net and threw it on the floor. <laughs> There were some strange, bizarre moments which certainly got in the head of Zverev, let's be honest. And he has been so rattled ever since. I can understand why he does say that Medvedev is a bit of an unfair player because I would say on that on the spectrum, 
he's not the fairest, no. And he does do a bit of gamesmanship from time to time. And he's the first person to come out and admit it. But coming from someone like Zverev, it doesn't really sound great. It's no. like me coming out here and just saying something like, I could feel like I can be a little bit arrogant sometimes on the podcast. I can't really then attack you for being arrogant because when I do it, it feels a bit like that. It's a, it's pot and when I say arrogant, <laughs> I come on in, I gloat about my picks. If you were to come out and gloat about your picks, I can't really say too much because I did the same thing. This is it. I feel that Zverev, out of anybody, uh, is probably one of the worst people to try and uh, criticise uh, Daniel in this way. Unfortunately, he's not been in the headlines for many good reasons and been in the headlines for a lot of bad reasons, Sasha Zverev. So he needs to sort of try and, I don't know, up the public opinion of him and by just going after somebody who... I feel that Medvedev has quite a lot of fans on the tour nowadays. Even though he provides opinion, I think that he's a likable character. And the stuff he's doing, he's not smashing rackets. He's not hitting umpires. Yeah, not as much. Not yet. Yeah, but he's doing (laughs) little weird things. I mean, he did kick over a camera at one tour. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think he does cross the line at times. But let's actually hear what Zverev had to say. So we have got the quote. Let's go for it word for word. It is quite a long one, but we've got Ben Rothenberg here summarising it. saying, uh, And the question what he was asked was, how do you feel after the match? Zverev said, shit, that's absolutely clear, but it is what it is. For me, it's very, very bitter that he's really an outstanding tennis player. We don't even need to talk uh, about that. He's one of the best tennis players in the world, but he doesn't win with tennis. He is the, one of the most unfair players we have in the world. He tries to do everything uh, when he's behind. He did it in Indian Wells. He did it here. I'm just extremely disappointed about that as an athlete because I take fairness and sportsmanship very, very seriously. Hmm, does he? Hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, he has none of that. The rivalry we have is incredible. We've played each other so many times, but one of the reasons why Roger and Rafa were so popular, I thought it was interesting he didn't mention Novak, Mm -hmm. and the rivalry was appreciated all over the world was because uh, they were always fair to each other. And unfortunately, you can't say that about him, and that's just a real shame for me as an athlete. Well, do you feel that there's... I've been thinking about, obviously, the way their careers have gone. And do you think there's a the word bitter really stuck out there for for me? And I feel that he had an opportunity to win the U.S. Open. He had two sets to love lead against Dominic Team and lost the U.S. Open. Daniel Medvedev won the U.S. Open in straight sets against Novak Djokovic, denying him the calendar slam. That I think might grind on him a little bit. The fact that he could have been that guy, and unfortunately, he's not that guy. And he's been unlucky with some injuries, sure. But he has come up short against big players time and time again. It's not to say that he wouldn't have got there. We thought maybe he might beat Rafa last year. But unfortunately, injury struck in that match and we'll never know. And this is the thing. I feel that he's taken out a little bit of his own bitterness of how he's, of his success maybe in the sport so far. In that, He's taken it out on Daniil a little bit here, I feel. Coming to his defence, which I never thought I'd be saying on the podcast, because I'm a big, I'm actually a big Medvedev (laughs) fan, as I was saying earlier. Yeah, yeah. This is just after the match. It's in the heat of the moment. I mean, we all say crazy things just after you've lost. 
which you don't necessarily mean. Look at Medvedev as a prime example after he lost the Australian Open, talking about how he's fell out of love for the sport and he hates the sport, doesn't want to play anymore. Blah, 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 blah. He was back the next event playing well. Well, wasn't straight away, but he still started playing tennis again and he's still at the top level competing and playing some of his best tennis. So let's take what with what, what he says with a pinch of salt, a bit like Novak after his interview in Monte Carlo. I've never seen him so sad, to be honest, talking about he didn't want to talk about the match at all. He just didn't want to, he just wanted to congratulate his opponent and move on. Some would say it was a very salty Novak Djokovic as well. So it does happen. After, if you catch any player, an athlete who wants to win after they've just lost, it's difficult sometimes to articulate a fair and well-measured response. And I think in his defence, that is a part of that, a part of this response is because of that. I feel that the best comparison to use and no better because we were there would be Kyrgios Tsitsipas and that feud that, that happened at Wimbledon, well, boiled up again at Wimbledon. And we had the press conferences, him calling him a bully, then Kyrgios saying, what's he talking about? He tried to hit me with the ball. That, yeah, and now they're good friends, playing yeah, exactly. tennis together, they practice together. <laughs> the difference is with this one, I think it's more of a sincere feud in terms of they're not going to be friends, ever. <laughs> they generally don't like each other. It's They sort of knew each other a little bit more juniors where they used to be semi-friendly, but they're never going to ever recover. And I remember Zverev when he won, I think it was Paris, and he mentioned Medvedev and Medvedev's wife in his victory speech. And Medvedev found it a bit strange because he doesn't even know him that like that in terms of they weren't on them good terms. So it's a relationship that will never be rebuilt. As us as tennis fans, I think we need to just enjoy it because I like it. I love this fieriness. I think it's exciting. And I can't wait now to watch the next edition of Zverev Medvedev because we're going to get one because they're both te terrific tennis players. Yeah. And it will be most likely in a slam, the back end of a slam, back end of Masters, because they are the top of the game. And I can't wait for it. I think it's exciting. There's another thing that I'm thinking as well, which may be the reason that they are such fierce rivals, is their their games are quite similar. And they look, the stature-wise, <laughs> like they're nearly identical in stature. And similar. If they were built in a tube, it's like perfect tennis players. <laughs> exactly. So maybe they were made in the same factory. Maybe, but I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking like, does he see him as like, oh, that was sort of my spiel. I was that guy who looks like this and plays like that, and now you're coming. You've come in and you've sort of taken that away from me, and now you're that guy who's six foot six, big serving, and now looking good on clay. So good backhands. Yeah, exactly. So there is uh, so many similarities. And I feel that all that similarity is what's causing the clash because they probably are. They have strong opinions, both of them, and they both wind their opponents up as well. So yeah. that's a cause for a clash. Well, Daniel Medvedev did respond. It was a very long response. Um, I showed Ben a segment of it earlier, but we do have one tweet of a section here from the Tennis Letter who tweeted it out. And it reads... Uh, I usually feel bad when something on court happens. Sasha is living in his own world. Sasha is not like Casper, not like Diego, not like Andre. When he says some uh, someone is not fair play, you're like, okay, great. Look at yourself in the mirror. <laughs> There's a picture, I think. Uh, looks like they're good buddies there in that picture. Just staring at each other. Probably just having an exchanging pleasantries there. Um, both wearing blue as well, both the same height, both similar sort of hair, all 
blustering all over the place. Yeah, I feel that Daniel knows how to get under someone's skin as well. That's one thing he's very good and at. It, well, not just that, he knows how to defend himself. Yeah. It's not someone you can easily attack, is he? Well, ask Sitapas. Um, he'll, he'll come he'll, for you, and he's got he, receipts. He's ready. He said one thing once, and I don't think Sitapas will ever say it again when they were very young on the tour when he called him a, uh, what was it? Bullshit Russian or something. In <laughs> then, yeah, in Russian. And then suddenly wasn't anywhere to be seen when Medvedev came to the net to confront him and wanted to have it out with him. So Medvedev doesn't shy away from a, fr- uh, from a fight. He Well, you've got to wonder, these Russians, they all know martial arts, so I wouldn't want to mess with them. Yeah, but anyway, let us know your thoughts on this saga. Daniel Medvedev versus Ferev. I want to hear what you guys have to say about it. Uh, we will be reading all your comments at the end, so please let us know. Definitely. Right, let's get stuck into it. It is the semi-final, and it is the Fantastic Four. We've got to speak about this one first. It is Yannick Sinner who cruised through, let's be honest, against Lorenzo Musetti. It was 6-2, 6-2. And Holger Luna, who knocked out Daniel Medvedev in Who style. also cruised through, no? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think that it was, well, both straight sets. All of the quarterfinals were straight sets. Well, but... All of them did. Go down to the next two as well. All four have come into this doing very well. So the four of them, the last two, Rublev and Taylor Fritz, also winning in straight sets today. Yep. Four young and... players. I think it's a really exciting semi-final draw. I th- First I time champion well. at Monte Carlo. Yannick Sinner, this back-to-back Masters final. Uh, well, could be back-to-back Masters finals if he gets there. I, I mean, on paper, you've got to look at it and Sinner's the favourite of the four. I would say so, yeah. I would say that coming in, he looks very, very good. And I don't want to be mean, but I feel the winner's coming from the top here. That's the way I personally see it. The way that Holger Luna has played in this tournament, I think, he looks almost yeah, like a Carlos Alcalaz style of play. And I feel that I can't wait to see those two play. I'm so disappointed that Alcalaz isn't in this tournament because he it was almost like mirroring Alcalaz. The drop shots were incredible. The, the volume was brilliant. He had an amazing backhand that was passing Medvedev with ease all the time. But Yannick Sinner, it's a completely different kettle of fish with him. Just he's powerful. He's consistent and at the moment looks a bit unstoppable. I'm glad you mentioned Alcaraz because there's a lot of talk about the new big three. Yannick Sinner, Holger Una, and Carlos Alcaraz. And Yannick Sinner was asked, and we've got the tennis letter tweeting out about the future big three. And this is what he had to say. He said, I don't know if it will be me, Carlos Alcaraz and Holger Una. There are many players who can fit for the top, like Lorenzo Massetti or someone from the generation before us, like Daniel Medvedev, Zverev, <laughs> them two can't get away from each other, or others. I don't like making predictions. So mm. he doesn't like making predictions. I know you're brilliant at them, so I thought I'd pose the question to you. With your brilliant predictions, Ben, is the next big three going to be Sinner and Karaz and Runa? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think it's why hard does it have to, to be three? Why, why, what's the importance of three? Why can't we have a big four, big two, big six? Maybe it's just good things coming in threes, man. I don't know. <laughs> three's the magic number, they say. I don't know. So you or think maybe... it's going to be another three players dominating the Grand Slams and it's going to be Sinner, Runa and Alcaraz? 
we don't know yet, but it looks like those three are the players that would be the standout three. Um, just based upon their age and what they're doing at that age, they're uh, under 20. They're, they're just doing such big things. Obviously, Yannick's in a bit older than the than the others. And he's taken slightly longer to get to these Masters. Uh, well, he's not won a Masters yet. If he can get a Masters under his belt, I feel that Yannick Sinner will be off to the races in Masters. And then potentially we could see finally the slam for Sinner. And I think it's just a matter of time for him. It's not an, it's not an if, it's a when. Yeah, agreed. So do we want to... There, are there any tweets here that I need to go for for Holger Luna? Um, we don't really have too many, Ben, but we can go to one. the one where there's one Holgoruna news, um, and that is that it's his 10th top 10 victory. And I think the significance in this is what we've seen recently with the next gen or new gen, or whatever you want to call them coming through, is they don't actually do very well when they play the top players. They get yeah. very far, they get to the top players and lose. Adkaraz blew that theory out of the water. He come in and instantly started beating everyone. Holguruna, maybe not as instant as Alcaraz, but he still has shown an ability to beat the top players. I mean, Cut he beat a Djokovic cross. in a final. A final yeah. of a Masters event. That's the one thing that I wanted to raise. He's just beating a Medvedev. He has the ability to yeah. beat the very best players in the world, definitely. I wouldn't That's, be that shocked yeah. if he come and beat a Rafael Nadal as well. Well, he's, he's got the star, one player. star quality. Sinner doesn't seem to have that exact same thing yet. No. He may may grow into it. He This is where the sort of mirroring with Alcalaz for big match play is. That's what I like from Holger Luna. He proved it, like you said, against Djokovic in Paris. Yep. And you see it in his matches, even against like Medvedev earlier today. When he gets to like the final game, like when he's five four up and that type of thing, there's no like, oh, I'm flapping around, I'm missing my serves. I'm he plays very confidently. He hits balls, he hits winners, he hits aces. That that's what you get from Alcaraz as well. They play with confidence up to the end. There might be a small wobble, I'm sure, if you got to a Grand Slam final or something like that. Sure, but in these tournaments, you don't see it. He just is like oozing like the confidence of a young player on court. And that's the one thing that I'm yet to sort of see from Sinner. I need to see him dig in deep when it matters and fight through adversity and then still finish a match. Saying that, Yannick Sinner has been the best player out of the four for me this year. He has been a real standout. I think he's gone up a three levels from what we've seen in the past. Yeah. And Optorace have put a tweet out saying that Yannick Sinner is the youngest player in the open era to reach the semi-finals in Indian Wells, Miami and Monte Carlo in the same season. Prior to him, Amazing. only Federer, Nadal, Djokovic and Murray have done so. Yeah, he's having a great year. So it has that, to be just, said. that is remarkable. This is one of the best stats I've seen of the year. Sinner, you could probably argue, has been the most improved tennis player. And I think that's saying a lot because he was already very good. Usually, he wouldn't have a most improved tennis player who was already a top player. But I think he's gone up so many levels and he's now considered as still like now one of the best players in the world, which I don't think he was necessarily last year. So he's been highly improved. And I put him as a contender for Roland Garros. Could well be. I mean, we could get to see a real treat in this semi-final between Aruna and Sinner. And it could lead us into 
this could be the potential matchup we see again, maybe at Roland Garros. I mean, they are similar conditions as well. We know that Rafa so good at Monte Carlo. I'm excited to see who comes out on top. I've, I can't. I sort of want to go in and go give a prediction, but let's, I know let, that we... let's wait with the predictions because yeah, we we'll yeah. do them at the end. And if we move to Jose Morgado, he's given some stats on Fritz, and that is it's his first Masters 1000 semi final outside of Indian Wells. First player from the US to reach the last four here in 20 years, and he leads the head to head against Rublev 4 2. So, looking at these stats for him, he's got a brilliant chance to be in a Masters final on the clay. And an American playing on the clay courts doesn't happen too often. We know Sissipas lost to um, Fritz today. Yeah. In the match before, who did Sissipas beat yesterday? Oh, I can't think of the top of my head. Sissipas. He beat uh, Jarry. And after oh, that yeah. match... He wrote some weird thing on the camera about unicorns and oh, yeah. clay courts yeah. in, in the US. <laughs> some yeah. strange, strange message. Taylor Fritz responded. Um, yes. I don't know if you want to show it. It is from Relevant Tennis. And he put, you can see, US clay, USA clay in, in uh, question marks. And the tennis channel asked him about it. He said, oh, we're just joking around, to be fair. He has a very good point in what he's saying. We could use better clay courts in the US for sure. But after that, I just thought it was funny to come back and say something else. So a bit of friendly banter between the two. It's not quite the same as Medvedev Zverev. No, but it's quite funny as well because I even beats, have to... beats him and then puts that on the camera. I, I even have to take what I said, really. I said... Well, Taylor, everybody who we were sort of tipping, we were saying, oh, this person, that person. And Taylor Fritz, he's good on the hard and good on the grass, but I'm not really sure that he's that great on the clay. Well, he's proved me wrong, hasn't he? He now looks good on the clay as well. So could he be a triple threat? Could he be somebody we really need to watch out for now on clay courts? Because he seems to be doing the business. I think he's just a little bit like a Medvedev in terms of that he can play on all surfaces and just quite good. And no, yeah. sorry, Medvedev can't play on all surfaces, but he uses his ability of just being a good tennis player to get results on clay. I feel the same with Fritz. They're not necessarily great clay court players. They're never going to be. Fritz probably better than Medvedev has adapted to it. But still, they just use their ability of being good tennis players to get themselves by. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely starting to show a lot of grit and determination. That's the one thing I'd say about Taylor Fritz, that... I didn't used to see from him in the past. He really digs in. And even if he goes down a set and stuff like that, he comes back and he actually fights hard, like against Lehechka as well. Managed to knock. That was a tough match. I I didn't have him winning that one, but proved me wrong. And then came through strong in the third, 6-1. Um, and then knocks out the reigning, defending two-time back-to-back Monte Carlo champion. And did it quite well, convincingly, considering... He got broken and it made it 4-4 at the end of that second set. And then he broke Sissipas straight back. That could have unraveled quickly, but he quickly put a lid on it and went, no, 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 you're not going to break me and then take the second set. I'm going to knock you out in straights, mate. USA clay. <laughs> well, let's see now. His matchup is Andre Rublev. Let's briefly talk about him. He was very impressive, winning in straight sets today. I think his draw has been quite nice. Um, but still had to beat a very powerful player in Jan Janiel Edstraff, who on his day is very difficult 
anyone anyone could lose lose to him because he does find the lines. Uh, but the head-to-head 4-2 in Fritz's favour. Bogey yes. player? How many times have I played on clay? I don't have that data, Ben. That's okay. I can bring it up very quickly if we need to. No yep. problemo. Right, so let's just have a look to see if they, they have played only on outdoor hard or indoor hard. So first clay court meeting between the two. That's interesting. I like that. Well, and You'd have to favour Rublev slightly, but I yeah, tight. I think you would favour Rublev. I think that the fact that he's knocked out Kalen Hachanov as well in this tournament, someone similar sort of style to a Fritz, big serving, quite tall. I'd say... Rublev, last year's finalist, I'd put him as a slight favourite in this one, despite Taylor Fritz's good run. Yeah, agreed. So before we give our predictions, let's do the last uh, tweet, and that's from Oleg. And I like this one because it's the race for the top four seeding at Roland Garros. I know I've said this at many slams recently, but I generally believe this Roland Garros, the seeding and the draw, has never been as important. I'm not going to yeah. be surprised if we have so many people joining us for the instant draw reaction because it is epic. It's going to change, I think, the whole destiny of tennis, the stories what are going to be written. <laughs> it's just like there's so much at stake on a draw, I feel. So to get to get the seed in places, Rafael Nadal's going to be out with like some low seed going into Roland Garros. He's going to be the most feared <laughs> low seed, high seeded player there is. It's going to be crazy. But right now, this is the top four seeds. Djokovic, 5,730. He'll be playing uh, the Banya, Luka, Madrid and Rome. Ankara's second. He'll be playing similar. Medvedev, he'll play Madrid and Rome. Uh, Rude in fourth currently. And he'll be playing the same. Same with Sissipas, but he's a little bit less. However, one of Rublev, Rune, Sinner or Fritz will have between 3,900 and 4,000 points. So they will be in that conversation. Whoever can win will be overtaking Sissipas as knocking on the door to Casper Rude. And Rude, I think, could drop some points coming up. So I think he might be holding some. So it's just very fascinating well, to see. a lot see. of Roland Garros. <laughs> well, after sure. Roland Garros, if he doesn't get to the <laughs> final again. But potentially the importance of this is one of these four young players who are doing very well at Monte Carlo right now by winning can get a good seeding position and avoid some top players come roll on Gauss, which could then mean that they have a very good role on Gauss as well. I think it's very important for Sinner because we've yeah. already seen he struggles against the top players. Oh, Runa, maybe it's not as important as it is for a Yannick Sinner. I think Rublev, he will also be really desperate to win this. You can see it already, can't you? That, It'd be typical. Yannick Sinner gets an amazing seed and then suddenly Rafa's right there next to him in the draw. He's going to be like, I can't catch a break. Get out of the way, Rafa. <laughs> <laughs> I just know it's going to happen. I thought it's quite interesting this as well. I didn't really... Thinking about these players here, if you look at these, you would think straight away, Yannick Sinner, Andre Rublev, those are the people you expect more at the back end of these tournaments. Yet... Holger Rune and Taylor Fritz are the ones who have won Masters events and Andre Rublev and Yannick Sinner yet to win a Masters. Okay, let's get to the predictions. We'll start with this one. Yannick Sinner versus Holger Rune. How do you see it going, Ben? Sinner is my champion to win Monte Carlo before a ball was hit. <sighs> this one is like... In. Can we start on the other one, please? Let's start on the other one. I don't want to come to that one last because okay. it's that's the that's like the uh, the dessert, I feel. 
the or the that's the main. I mean, this is the starter. This one, Andre Rublev, Taylor Fritz. I think this is going to be the end of the road for Taylor Fritz. And I think Andre Rublev, yeah, I think he's going to do it. And I think it's going to be in three. I think I agree completely, mate. I think it's going to be also Rublev in three. I think it's going to be a really tight one and it's going to be close, but I'll have Rublev winning in three. And then we go to the top. And this one, we've got brute force, power, and consistency against Mr. Variety in Holgaruna. I mean, this is tough. I think it's going to be three again. That's my personal The thing with these two is they both have shown this year that they are a little bit prone to an injury or two. And there's some, especially Sinner in the previous years, Runa this year as well. He's had some questionable losses, Runa. Uh, Sinner's been more consistent. And that for that base, I'm going to be going for Sinner. I know Runa's been playing amazing, arguably the best player this Monte Carlo, but... I'm going to be back in Sinner. I predicted him before a ball was hit at Monte Carlo, and I'm going to go with Yannick Sinner in three sets. Well, I think it'll be easy. We haven't discussed a head-to-head, but there is a, it, there's only one match they played. It was back in 2020. Uh, oh, so yeah, it's back end of last year. It's an indoor hard court in Sofia in Bulgaria, and that was Runa in three, but he retired 5-2 in the final set, did Yannick uh, Sinner. So I don't know. We can't Injuries, read anything yeah. in, into that. Yeah, These I mean, two are very prone to one. So yeah, I wouldn't read into it, but I'm going to stick with my prediction of Sinner in three. Sinner in three. Okay. Um, interesting. Both six foot two. Both uh, very, very similar. Um, I think that the, the big match temperament of Holger Luna is going to get him through this match. I feel that he has something that Yannick Sinner is yet to discover. And that is just, taking the opportunities at the the business end of sets. And I feel that that's going to be the difference. And we're going to see it in, I think Sinner takes the first set and I think Holger Luna comes back and wins in three and it's going to go four, four in the final set. And then we're going to see Holger Luna turn it on and it's going to be six, four in the final set. Anything to ruin my bracket prediction. (laughs) Yeah, I can understand why you've gone for it. Luna is playing extremely well this event. But let's wrap it up there. Please leave your predictions in the comment section below. If you haven't already, hit the like button on the video, subscribe if you're new, and join us for semi-final action at Monte Carlo Masters tomorrow. We'll be covering some watch-alongs, and of course, we'll be doing a final preview as well in the evening. So, anything left to say, Ben? No, just join us for the tennis, and good luck to all the semi-finalists. Forza, Yannick! Come on! Podcast Network.